0: Your Bibles, please open to Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. This will be our springboard verse that we'll be using this morning. Uh, We have been going through a series of messages entitled Triggered How to Live Righteous in an Unrighteous World. I'm telling you, we're living in an angry world. Just a couple weeks ago, I was preaching revival over in Hiawassee, just over the mountain. And, uh, man, had a great, great time, great revival. Saw people saved. Just so thankful for that. And uh, I was pulling out one night, coming back uh, home. And uh, I just preached the first message that we preached here on anger. I, I did that during the, uh, one of the messages, just one message that the Lord laid it on my heart to preach. And so I preached that message. And uh, at the end of it, I was leaving. This is the second time that's happened when I've preached that message. I preached it, was leaving, and I obviously wasn't moving fast enough. And somebody just reared down on the horn and stuck their head out of the window and yelled some nice positive things to encourage me. I mean, it was really, it was one of those deals go, really? I mean, I just preached the message on anger, and, and uh, I didn't get triggered. I, I, I just, well, I smiled and waved. Have a good day. <laughs> I like that right there. It's wonderful. But we're living, actually, we're living in an angry world. Several weeks ago, we started this Bible study, and this, this sermon series, if you would, by uh, giving the general, a general sense of anger. We talked about its roots. and We talked about the things that do trigger us, anxiety and frustration and all these different things that can occur in our lives. And then the second sermon, we dealt with the anger of Cain. The Scripture says that if you uh, hate someone, that's like committing murder and while no Christian that's got Jesus Christ living in their heart would ever so think of themselves to be motivated to murder someone there's countless number of people that we've spiritually murdered because we hate them as a matter of fact if I were to ask you this question who do you hate it wouldn't surprise me one bit if everyone here in this room had someone they have a hatred for whether that be a family member a co-worker someone in your past a spouse uh, an ex-spouse uh, dear friend that hatred that's inside of you if it's not dealt with properly it can cause some serious health problems in your life and not to mention the spiritual complications that go along with it uh, we find that Jesus said that's like murder you shouldn't hate anyone Cain's hatred towards his brother caused him to murder. And then we talked about Moses. And the the question we asked ourselves in Moses' life is, is can God use an angry person? Moses was an angry individual, and God used him greatly. But we got to remember, Moses didn't go into the promised land. And it's a direct result of his anger. God didn't allow for him to do that. And so while you'll never, ever, 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 ever lose your salvation... If you're a born-again child of God, you were saved, secure, you're in Christ, Christ in God, we are in God, I'm telling you, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But in relationship to your rewards, some of us won't get the rewards that we think we're going to get simply because of the hatred that we have for others, the anger that we're unwilling to deal with. Moses did not deal with his anger. Moses didn't control his anger. He let his anger control him. And then today, here we are, that brings us to this sermon, this message today. And the title of this message is Righteous Anger. Righteous Anger. And I've used as my springboard verse Matthew chapter number 5. I want to look at verses 21 and 22 in relationship to righteous anger. And I don't think there's anybody else to look at than Jesus. Jesus obviously was the example of our lives in regards to righteous anger. How to be angry and not sin. We all can agree, number one, that Jesus did not sin. Yes, amen, Jesus did not sin. But we also can agree that Jesus was angry. In fact, one commentator I read this week said, you can record throughout the course of the Gospels that Jesus was angry at least 15 times. I found that fascinating. I didn't go looking for all 15 of them. Uh, and there's absolutely no way we'd be able to deal with all 15 of them here in this setting. It wouldn't happen in one sermon, sermon, but a series of sermons. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus was angry on more than one occasion. The one that we recall the most, and we'll even look at it today, is when he turned over the money changers. We, we see that, we know that, and we recognize that. But even in that, Jesus never sinned. Jesus demonstrated a righteous anger and set for you and I a pattern that you and I should follow. Righteous anger is something that we desire to do. I heard a story of a, a college professor that had set out to prove to the students that God did not exist. And so the professor looked at the students and, the, and said, uh, I tell you what, I said, I'm going to prove to you that God doesn't exist, and here's how I'm going to do it. He turned toward heaven, shook his fist at God, and said, God, if you're real, I want you to knock me off of this platform I'll give you 15 minutes and for 15 minutes solid every minute that ticked down he would absolutely rail against God and he would taunt God he'd say I'm still here you're not gonna do anything are you God minute after minute he taunted God as he wanted God to knock him off the platform the very last minute a 300 pound football player was walking down the hall. He passed the uh, room where this professor was railing against God, and he heard what the professor was saying. He turned down the aisle, or the door, or that, and he ran down the aisle, and he lowered his shoulder with everything that he had. He tackled that professor and knocked him slam off of the platform. The professor got up in a daze, was shaking his head and holding his head. He said, what in the world are you doing? Why did you do that? And that 300-pound uh, football player said, God wants me to tell you he's busy, so he sent me. <laughs> a righteous anger. So how do we respond in regards, when we're angry, how do we exercise righteous anger? The Bible is very clear. The Bible says that we have inside of us the Holy Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit came in, according to Ephesians, we put on the new man. We took off the old man, we put on the new man. Uh, the, The scriptures also say, Be ye angry and do not sin. So there's no other person that we need to look at in relationship to this than Jesus because really when we're angry, what we don't want to do is sin. This is a radically different uh, way of, of pursuing the topic of anger because we want to try to eradicate that in our lives. And what I want to submit to you today is it's we cannot eradicate anger in our lives. We've got to stop being angry like we used to be angry, the old man, and start being angry like the new man. Why? Because the new man anger, Jesus anger, righteous anger, will always promote healing and health. Jonathan Edwards, an 18th century theologian and pastor, said it this way. He said that human nature is very lazy unless it is moved by holy emotions such as anger. He called anger a holy emotion, an emotion that can be used by God in the situation that we're in to move us closer to Jesus Christ. Here's the question. Does your anger move you closer to Jesus? Or does your anger move you closer to your flesh? Because when your anger moves you closer to Jesus, you cannot help but see that it will promote forgiveness. But if your anger motivates you and moves you, if you will, over into the arena of the flesh, you will have outbursts of anger. You'll blow your stack. You'll blow your top. It's the things that we talked about, like the volcano syndrome or the microwave syndrome. Or the seething syndrome that happens over time, and you just get angrier and angrier and angrier over the course of time. We must always remember that Jesus has called you and I to be salt in this world, and we are to be light in this world. And if we're going to be salt, we got to remember what does salt do? Salt preserves, it doesn't uh, decay, salt doesn't bring decay or, 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 or uh, 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 Rottenness, that's the word I'm looking for. Salt brings, preserves. It preserves. Salt heals. Salt doesn't make one uh, sick in regards to preservation. It heals. Salt brings out the flavor in things. We are to bring out the flavor of God. And we can do so even in our anger. Why? Because in our righteous anger, it will be perceived as love. But when we, the salt lose our saltiness by moving ourselves over into the category of the flesh the Bible says that your saltiness is nothing more than to be thrown on the floor and to be trodden underfoot why? because we've made things worse instead of making things better in our selfish desire in our selfish destruction this uh, emotion of anger wants with everything that's in us to be eradicated that we might be more like Jesus but I submit to you this morning that Jesus had tendencies of anger as well and it's through his anger that we learn how to have a righteous anger that will honor and please him the scripture never commands us to avoid anger It never commands us to suppress anger. It never commands us to ignore anger. But it tells us to deal with anger properly and deal with it in a timely manner. And for that reason, we look towards Jesus. And this morning, I want us to look at the displays of anger in Jesus' life and what does righteous anger look like. I'm going to do my best to give you six. Let's look at number one. The first one is... Righteous anger has the proper motivation. Righteous anger has the proper motivation. In Matthew chapter 5, in our very first verse that we see here in the text, in verses 21 and 22, we see that righteous anger has a proper motivation. Look at what it says. The scripture says in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 5, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill will be in danger of judgment. But, Jesus says, I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Dear friend, I would like for you to underline that phrase, without a cause, because there is where Jesus is dealing with this area of motivation. Motivation. We have to be properly motivated when it comes to anger. Why are you so angry? What is motivating you to be angry? In other words, you need to be angry for the right reasons. Many things motivate us to anger today. I read an article from a psychologist and he was listing um, all of these things that make us angry today. I, I wrote down a few of them. I wanted to share with them. See if they resonate with you as they do with me. How about this one? Being ignored. Does being ignored make you angry? Let's take a test. Have you ever been to McDonald's or or not just McDonald's, it could have been anywhere, any fast food restaurant. You ever been in there and they have 1,500 workers and nobody's waiting on you? You only have 15 minutes to get what it is you need to get and all you want is something in your belly to get you by till supper time. And it doesn't do anything but make you angry. Don't raise your hand, sir. You'll get in trouble. Don't do it being ignored many times has made us angry how about this one unsolicited advice does that make you angry i used to have a volkswagen jetta it was a turbo diesel without in key all i would pull that thing up to the to the fuel station to put some diesel fuel in it and as soon as i grabbed that handle somebody would give me some unsolicited advice they would say i didn't ask for it but they'd say, you can't put that in that vehicle. I said, excuse me? See, you can't put that diesel in that, in that vehicle. I said, y- yes, I can. They said, no, you can't. I said, yes, I can. It's a diesel. No, it's not. It's a Jetta. I said, I know. I bought the thing. It's a diesel. I can, put the, I can put it in there. And finally, I just had to start saying, come around here. Let me show you something. Come around here. Come around here. Look at the back of it. See where it says, Jetta, turbo diesel. I love that vehicle. got 54 miles to the gallon. It was wonderful. I mean, it just absolutely was, was wonderful. Loved that thing. But I'm going to tell you what. I got tired of people giving me advice on how to put fuel in that thing. If it been up to everybody else, I'd be stranded on the side of the road because it would have unleaded in it. Don't give me your advice. It really seems like everybody on the planet today is a life coach to tell you how to live your life. Does that make you mad? I'd say, Preacher, you get mad just talking about it. I know. It's frustrating, isn't it? Here, how about this one? Here's another one. Being told I'm wrong when I'm not. <laughs> you laugh because it's true in your life, isn't it? You know you're right. I, I like what there was a theologian. He wrote this. Listen to this. He said this, and I quote him. He said, the fundamental cause of the trouble is that in the modern world, the stupid are sure while the intelligent are full of doubt. <laughs> That's true. I resonate with that. How about this one? denying my experience does that make you angry when somebody denies your experience people telling you that you're wrong about your own experience I'm going to be honest with you February 2nd, or excuse me, February March 22nd 1988 I gave my heart to Jesus Christ I'm going to tell you what, that's an experience I'll never forget I got radically saved on that day and so how do you tell I'm different, I di- I'm different I got saved and my grandmother said that won't last man that'll bless your heart I said I do. I got saved. No, you didn't, get, you didn't get. You didn't get saved. I did get saved. I had the experience. Get upset about it. How, here's how about this one: not feeling heard. I get other people's point of view is important to them, and sometimes my feelings, opinions, or beliefs might seem like a threat, and so uh, I feel like I'm not being heard. You ever get upset about that? Angry. How about this one: being talked over. When you talk, I listen. When I talk, you listen. I got a phone call this week from a pastor. He was so upset. I, he was angry. I said, what is your problem? He said, I'm mad. I said, what are you mad at? He said, I was talking to so-and-so, talking about another preacher. And he said, I listened to him for 45 minutes, go on and on and on about what he's going through and all this. And he's, and then it was my turn to talk. He said, how are you? And I said one word, and he jumped right on top of me, started talking over me, and kept going. See, don't listen to me. I'm mean, He's talking over me. Does that, does that make you mad? How about this one? Criticism when I really need empathy. Let, let me say it again. Criticism when what I really need is empathy. Remember, the key to a healthy marriage is communication. And in order to have proper biblical communication, you've got to be in have empathy towards one another. Empathy is me putting myself in your shoes. Are you putting yourself in your spouse's shoes? This is so vitally important in order to have a healthy marriage relationship. And a lot of times, watch this, when we're not empathetic, we're criticizing. Has somebody you love like your spouse, instead of being empathetic, criticizes you? That doesn't do anything but make you angry and inflame the situation? It happens every day. I say yes to all of these psychological, uh, these all this the psychologists mentioned. Yes, it is true in regards to anger. These things make us angry. Now listen to me very carefully. As true as these things are, they all carry. Watch this: an air of pettiness and also selfishness. And when you look at Jesus's anger. You never see his anger arise from a petty argument or a personal slight against him. There was no selfishness involved at all. As a matter of fact, when you read the passage of Scripture like John chapter 2, let's let's turn that over to there if we could. Over in John uh, chapter number 2, this is a fascinating passage of Scripture uh, in regards to John's life. In John chapter number 2, we find here in this text Uh, this issue in John chapter 2 verses 15 16 and 17 in this text uh, Jesus again here is cleaning he's cleansing the temple and he says in verse number 12 watch this after this he went down to Capernaum he and his mother and his brethren his disciples and they continued there for many days And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of the money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers of money, and he overthrew the tables." And said unto them that sold dove, Take this hence, make not my father's house an house of merchandise. If you have your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I would underline that phrase, Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Because here is when we see the proper motivation of Jesus as to why he is angry. He is angry because they have turned the house of worship into a, ha- a warehouse where they're buying and selling and taking advantage of people. As a matter of fact, this house of merchandise translates into the den of robbers. It is a place where robbers live, and you're robbing from people, and you're robbing from God. And Jesus' zeal in this text in John chapter 2, verse 17, is described as zeal. He says his anger is like zeal that in fact the disciples remember that passage of scripture that says it's like zip he has this zealous anger if you would for God what does that mean it means that it was a pure anger it was a justified anger its root was in the holiness and worship of God I'll be honest with you the worship we had today was honoring the Lord Jesus Christ it was great Man, I loved, I got to do it twice. It was so wonderful. And at the 815 service, it was great too. But I'm here to tell you, you had a choice whether or not to enter in or not. And there are many people that come into church week in and week out. They will not enter into worship. And it's not because they can't sing. It's because their hearts are angry. And we don't have the proper motive. We don't have the proper motivation when it comes to the arena of righteousness. In other words, what I'm saying is, we need to be angry for the right reasons. Why are you so angry? Jesus was angry because of God's holiness and worship was taking advantage of. Should we not too be angry in regards to the holiness and righteousness and worship of God is not being exercised? because our hearts are distracted with our own personal problems dear friend when we come in here to worship we ought to lay our uh, difficulties our burdens down and sing praises to the king of kings we serve a risen savior our God is not dead and our problems that are over our head are always under his feet He's able to take your situation and turn it to the glory of God. Here's the question then this morning. What is it that motivates us when it comes to anger? May it be a righteousness to draw us closer to Him. Number two, here's the second thing we learn from righteous anger. Number two is righteous anger has the proper focus. It has the proper focus. Mark chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5 is our text that uh, we look at here. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is going into the synagogue. And he's, when he's going into the synagogue, there's a man there that has a withered hand. He's got a regular hand, but he's got another hand that's kind of crippled. It doesn't look right. Something's wrong. It's distorted. It's deformed. And the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 1 as he enters again into the synagogue, and there was this man with a withered hand, and they watched him. Who are they? They are the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees. They're watching Jesus. Why? Jesus is on his way to the cross, and as he's on his way to the cross, there are people there that do not like him nor believe in his Messiahship, and they're wanting to sabotage his ministry. And they're watching him, but not only are they watching him, they're watching this man with a withered hand as well and look at what they're saying he's seeing they're watching him to see whether Jesus would heal him on the Sabbath day the Sabbath day you weren't supposed to do anything it was a day of rest it was a day where everybody's supposed to relax nothing was to be done and the reason why they wanted Jesus to heal him on the Sabbath day is the scripture says they wanted to accuse him of breaking the law of sinning and the Bible says in verse number three Jesus said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. He said, Come here. Come here just a minute. Let me see that hand. Let me take a look at that. And he's looking at the hand. In verse number 4, the Bible says, And he said unto them, that is the priest and and the Pharisees, all those there, he says, here's the question. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days? Or to do evil? Which is better? Because if I heal him, He's made restored. He's made whole. But if I do it, you're going to say I'm going to be evil. So my question is, which is, it, which is it? Is it good to do bad or evil? Or is it good to save a life or to kill a life? But they held their peace. They didn't say anything. They just kept their mouth shut. Hmm. Then look at verse number 5. Here it is. I'd underline this. This is so vital. And when he had looked around or looked round about on them with anger. He looked on them with anger. There's his focus. He's looking around with anger when the Pharisees so heartlessly cared nothing for this man who had this withered hand. This man who was there in the synagogue with them, this man that was there week in and week out, this man that needed a touch of God, and Jesus was angry. He was angry not at God for the weakness of others. He's angry because their hearts need to be saved. In fact, this word anger there, this is a fascinating word. When it says they looked upon them with anger, this this is a very interesting study. study this when you get home in your quiet time. This word anger there focuses on his countenance. What the Bible's talking about is when he looked around, his countenance changed. His face changed. You know what the Bible's saying? He he gave these guys the look. The look. You ever got the look for your mama and your daddy? You know, y'all know that look, right? All the youth are going, yeah, we know the look. God, there's no doubt that God has a sense of humor. God has designed, gave God, God's given mankind great wisdom to develop vehicles, which I'm so grateful for. I'm grateful we got vehicles to travel by. But in those vehicles, he designed them in such a way that when you sit in a vehicle and you're driving, you are just out of reach to discipline your kids when they're acting up. You reach back and you just barely miss them, and you try to lean back, and they'll scoop back. Where you, you know, you just—I mean, you just brush them. You know, you just barely, you barely. So what do you do? You say, "Brush," and you give them a look. Don't make me come back there. Don't make me come back there. And you know the kids are back, and the older they get, the more fun that that is for them. You're going, Dad. You're going 75, 75 miles an hour. We'd love for you to come back here. Come on back. Have a big party back here. Come on. No, so you give them the look. How many of you ever got the look in church? Yeah, yeah. Some of you not only got the look, you got the thump. The thump always follows the look. Jesus gave these guys the look. This word anger means to change one's countenance. But not only does it mean to change one's countenance, it also means to alter one's character, not towards sin but towards righteousness. He has altered this character of his towards... His heart goes out in compassion, but he's angry. Yeah, his anger is leading him to compassion. But it also carries the idea of his emotions and his attitude. When he looks at them and becomes angry, he is motivated, if you would, by the focus that he has. And what does he focus on? He focuses on, on the man's healing. Notice what the Scripture says here. He says, And being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto man, Stretch forth thy hand. Remember, he already told him to come here. He said, Now stretch it out. Let me see it. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Jesus cared more about the healing of this man than he did in regards to the difficulty he was having with the scribes and Pharisees. But watch this. His heart was not only towards the man the healing of the man's hand his anger also motivated him to want to see the hearts of the Pharisees the hearts of the priest turn to him would this miracle be the healing of this withered hand on the Sabbath day which was something good to save the man's life prove to the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests that Jesus really is the Messiah sadly it did not we read in the story number 3 the third thing we find about righteous anger and that is it has the proper supplement righteous anger has the proper supplement what do you mean what i mean by that is simply this is when you get angry you supplement that anger with something most of the time it's outburst you get angry and burst out on somebody but now with jesus Jesus supplemented his anger with grief. Let's look back at the text again, Mark chapter 3. Look at what the Scripture says in verse number 5. When he looked around about on them with anger, his countenance has changed. There's something that's happened. Watch what it says. Being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. The word grieved there gives us the idea that his heart was going out to them because he knew what they needed more than anything. They needed the healing, not of their hands but of their hearts. And they needed this healing in the heart, and it broke his heart. Jesus had a broken heart for those that were testing him. He didn't do it in hatred. He didn't do it in ill will. He was grieved. He supplemented his anger with grief. Can I ask you a question, dear friend? What do you supplement your anger with? I've met people that supplement their anger with cussing. I've met individuals that supplement their anger with putting their fists through the wall. I've met people that supplement their anger to kicking things and knocking over things and tearing things up, being out of control. Jesus, his righteous anger, was supplemented with grief. His heart was breaking. Dear friend, when we get to the place where our righteous anger moves us to grief over the lostness of our world, then we'll be exercising the same religious anger that God had. Number four. Righteous anger has the proper control. Luke chapter 19 is a very uh, fascinating passage of Scripture, again, in regard to Jesus driving out the money changers. There in Luke uh, chapter number uh, 19, we see the proper control that was given to God. I want to call your attention, if I could, to verse uh, number 47 in particular. Uh, and, excuse me, verse number 45. Listen to what the Scripture says. In Luke chapter 19, verse 45, the Bible says, And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought. I would underline that word cast out. Why? Because, again, it is a description of Jesus' righteous anger. And the term cast out here gives us the idea that he did so, watch this, by no uh, uh, notion of violence. So what do you mean? Did he not to fashion a cord and drive them out? He did. Did he not fashion a cord? Yeah, he drove them out. He drove them out. But he did so in a nonviolent way. So how in the world did he do that? Remember, he's Jesus. And he knows the right words to say, and he spoke with authority. He spoke with power. He drove them out with the notion of no violence. He cracked a whip, but he never whipped anybody. Uh, dear friend, we are living in a day-to-day where we want to motivate people to leave and to get out, and we want to do it because we're willing to fight them. You speak against me, come on. Don't meet me outside. I'm going to bust you up. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus demonstrated the proper control. Dear friend, he led in such a way that others could not resist he spoke with authority and power the closer we get to Jesus the more we can speak with power and authority Jesus had the proper control can I ask you this question when you get angry sir when you get angry ma'am are you operating under control are you operating in the flesh number five Here's the fifth one. There's only six, only two more. Righteous anger has the proper duration. The proper duration. Luke, excuse me, Matthew chapter number 16. In Matthew chapter 16, this is the story where Jesus rebukes the apostle Peter. In fact, he said to him, he said, get behind me, Satan. He called him the devil, get back behind me. Now, don't think that Jesus was laughing or joking when that happened. He was upset. He was angry. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28, he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. But Jesus did not allow his anger to turn into bitterness. He did not hold a grudge. He dealt with this situation properly, and he dealt with it in such a way that he handled his anger, and he handled it in good time. He did it, and it was over. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 through 35, Peter denies Jesus. And we see that denial also in uh, chapter 26, verse 69 through 75. And Jesus tells him, he says, but when you come back. And we find in John chapter 21, that's when Peter came back. And when Peter came back, they're at the Sea of Tiberias. And and, uh, Jesus says, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Jesus' anger had the proper duration. He knew that they had to come to a place. Jesus had to come to a place where he demonstrated the love back to Peter. Here's the problem we have today. We don't have righteous anger. And we don't believe the Word of God because we, and let's just take the illustration of marriage. We, as a married couple, we'll get angry at each other, and we'll stay angry for three, four, five days, or even sometimes weeks. Man, I've met people who, man, they've been angry at each other for 22 years. It's heartbreaking. You know, one of the greatest things that breaks my heart as a pastor what breaks my heart is when people get divorced over irreconcilable differences. Now, you may have been here. You may have, have have had that happen in your life, okay? All right? Look, I love you. I'm not your judge. I'm your pastor. I'm just saying it breaks my heart. Why? Because what are we to be known for when as it comes to Jesus Christ and Christianity? Forgiveness. And any anger, a righteous anger that we have towards our spouse ought to lead us to Jesus. And in leading us to Jesus, there ought to be some form of reconciliation. I had a guy ask me one day, he said, Pastor, he said, can you give me some practical advice on uh, how not to be angry? I said, sure, obey the Bible. And I'm not trying to be cute or or, or insensitive. I'm just saying, take, for example, that passage that says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Take that as an example. Is that not a practical, applicable thing for you and I in our lives? To, To not let the sun go down on the anger that we have towards one another? Are we not to be known as individuals that love one another and forgive one another? For God's sake, we as born-again children of God need to demonstrate the love of God to a lost and dying world. And we can't even do that because we're irreconcilable in our differences. Now, i tell you what it is. It's stubbornness. And that stubbornness prevents us from moving forward in our spiritual growth in relationships. Why? Because it just carries on. As a matter of fact, what I find fascinating on divorced people, when they get divorced over irreconcilable differences, the court makes them talk more while they're divorced than they did when they were married. I know it is. It's humorous. I agree. But as born-again children of God, we ought to be motivated by the righteous anger that gives us love for others. Now, listen to me. Look, I'm not the judge. I'm just your pastor. I have people come to me and say, Pastor, let me tell you this. You don't know how that person hurt me. You're right. I don't. But by you exercising this posture with me shows me what that person has done to you. And here's what it is. You have locked yourself up in the prison of your own making because the person that has hurt you is going to bed every night. And in your own anger, you're unwilling to turn the key to open the prison door that you created and walk out. So how can I do that, preacher? One word, forgiveness. You Don't be confused that forgiveness is for that person. Forgiveness is for you. When you forgive, you're able to turn that person over to God and let God have his way in their life. Let God deal with that situation. Let God affect them in such a way where God can take the vengeance. It's not our responsibility to produce vengeance towards others. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So vengeance is his, and forgiveness is true. And the proper righteous anger has a proper duration. In other words, we should deal with each angry situation properly in a timely manner. And that will motivate us and push us into the arena of forgiveness. Now, I'm going to say this in regards to forgiveness. We've got one thing that the whole lot of other creatures in this world do not have. And that's memory. When I share my testimony and my story, it takes me a little bit of time to get over it why because it what's between my ears my memory and I have to daily yield that to Jesus and choose to forgive number six this is the final one I'm out of time righteous anger has the proper result Luke chapter number 11 in Luke chapter 11 we see a beautiful illustration of Jesus in in response to anger. And in this anger that he had, it had the proper results. John chapter number 11. We know this as the story, the narrative of Lazarus. The Bible tells us that Lazarus has been dead now for four days and Mary and Martha was so worked up and upset because Jesus is not coming on their time, he's coming on his time. And as Jesus comes on his time, I want to point out two passages of Scripture. John chapter 11, verse number 33. John chapter, or excuse me, Luke chapter 11, verse number 33. Uh, In regards to uh, this passage of Scripture in John chapter number 11, in verse number 33, the Bible says, "...no man, when he hath lit a candle, put it uh, in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which cometh might see uh, the light." here in regards to this passage of scripture it is vitally important that you and I show forth the love of Jesus why why is that important that we show forth the love of Jesus because if we don't show forth the love of Jesus who's going to show forth the love of Jesus now turn back over to John if you would in the in the wonderful book of John uh, in regards to John chapter uh, 11 I want to show you a passage of scripture that I find fascinating in regards to Jesus. In John chapter number 11, uh, look at verse number 1. Now, and a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, in which Mary, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him and said, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, uh, saith he to his disciples, let's go to, to Judea again. His disciples said master, Jews of late sought to stone thee there, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, uh, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. If a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things saith he, and after that, he hath said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go, that I might awake him out of sleep. Cast your eye over to verse number 30. The Bible says, Now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Verse 31 says, The Jews uh, then which were with her in the house uh, and comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth to the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down his feet, saying, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came to her, I would underline this, he groaned, in the spirit and was troubled. I want you to look at verse number 38. The Bible says, before he raises Jesus, or when he raises Jesus, the Bible says, verse 38 Jesus therefore again groaned in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a, co- a cave and a stone lay on it. When we see that word groaning, we have a lot of mental pictures that come to our mind. But in Scripture, in the Greek, this word "groaning" there means to be moved with angry indignation. It's used oftentimes to groan like an animal. You ever seen a bull groan? Or a horse, or a dog, to groan. So that's growling. He groans too. Groans. This is the same groaning that Jesus had. It's groaning from a position of anger. He's angry, but I want you to notice the response that God had, or Jesus had, in regards to this anger. Jesus' anger had the inevitable consequence of a godly action. He was angry, but he wanted to bring God more glory. And so he raised up Lazarus from the dead. Jesus' response was always to accomplish God's will. Here's the point. When you get angry... What are you trying to accomplish? In other words, our response should always be to accomplish God's will. When you get angry, do you have the proper motivation? Do you have the proper focus, the proper supplement, the proper control, the proper duration, the proper result to bring God glory? This is righteous anger. God's desire is that you and I be in the world, but not of the world. We are living in an angry culture. Everybody's upset. Everybody's angry. Somebody's going to get angry at you today. You watch. You go out to eat. Somebody will be angry. The bottom line is simply this. As a born-again child of God, if you get angry today... Turn that anger into righteousness. Grieve for the lost. Pray that they get saved. And let God use that anger to draw you to himself. That he might get the greatest glory. You never can tell somebody might get saved because you got angry about something. Wouldn't that be incredible if somebody got saved because you got angry? And it was harnessed in such a way to bring glory to God let's bow for prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed maybe you're here and maybe you suffer from sincere anger you just an angry person you think you're born that way but the bottom line is nobody's born angry something triggers you I don't care how you slice it you were the sweetest thing when you entered into this world here's your problem you grew up dear friend the bottom line is simply this in order to control your anger the first thing you must do is you must give your heart to Jesus. And dear friend, if you're watching by, by video, online, if you're listening to this by way of radio, dear friend, I'm going to ask you, pull over, do stop, and get right with God right now. If you're in this room and you want to get right with God, you want to pray to receive Christ from God's heart to your heart, from your heart to God's, would you say something like this? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I am being controlled by anger and not being controlled by you. And this morning I ask you to save my soul. I repent of my sins and I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. I'll live for you in Jesus' name. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you've been born again. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says if you've done that, you will not be ashamed of it. Dear friend, if you did that today and you prayed and you asked Jesus to save you from your angry disposition, your angry attitude, your anger, if that's you today, that you prayed and asked God to save you, would you just lift your hand up and say, I did that today, preacher. I asked Jesus to save me. I got right with God. Thank you so much. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're born again. You're a Christian. You know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. But here's the thing. You're angry. You're angry at your spouse. Man, when I was talking about Uh, Irreconcilable differences. God's got you right there. He's dealing with you on that. You need to get right with your spouse. Some you need to get right with your moms, your dads, other people in in your life. You need to be set free from this anger that you're under. Dear friend, I'm going to ask you, as we sing this hymn of invitation this morning, maybe you're struggling with that. You don't think you can do it. Why don't you ask God for the power? The Holy Spirit dwells within you. Would you let God work in your heart, work in your life? Dear friend, the altars are open today. Maybe you're here. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We welcome you this morning. We'd love for you to join our church. I want to ask you on this very first verse to come. Whatever you need, would you come to Jesus? Heavenly Father, in the name and through the blood of Jesus, I pray you'd have your way in this invitation. God, thank you for the word of God. Pray that it would penetrate, change, and move us into a more holy, righteous walk with you. We love you. Help us to be angry and not sin. May you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.